the pastor that was known for his lengthy sermons, he was preaching and he noticed that a man got up and left during the middle of his message. The man returned just before the conclusion of the service. Afterwards, the pastor asked the man where he had gone, and the guy said, I went to get a haircut. But, said the pastor, why didn't you do that before the service? Because, the man said, I didn't need one then. So I'm not going to keep you here all morning, but I want to share with you some thoughts about your kingdom come, your will be done. You see, today when we use the word kingdom, most of the time we talk about a geographical location, the kingdom of Nepal, the United Kingdom of England, the magic kingdom. And we can Google and, go and, and, and look online and we see numerous kingdoms that are identified. But the Greek word for kingdom puts the emphasis on the rule or reign of the king rather than on a place. And, and, and what I'm trying to thread through here this morning is this. Whether you realize it or not, or understand it or not, the kingdom of God is here. And, and that is going to maybe cross-grain some of your theology, but stay with me this morning, and, and, and I believe that I can bring you into this understanding because we live in a dynamic tension, and I'll share about that in just a little bit. But isn't it interesting that when Jesus finally identified himself as the Messiah, he didn't say, the kingdom of God is over 2,000 years away. See, that would have had no effect. That would have made no difference. But when you turn to Matthew chapter 3, John begins his message. In fact, it's the first message that he's sharing. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus follows that with his first message, and the message is this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And the reason that they emphasized that was because what they was trying to tell the people of that day was there is a sense of relevancy and urgency. And some of you that are sitting here, you've heard your great-grandparents and your grandparents and your parents say for years and years and years, Jesus is coming soon, Jesus is coming soon, and you've heard it so much that it almost becomes da-da-da-da-da-da-da, yada-da-yada-da-ya, and it's lost of effectiveness. I'm standing here this morning and saying to you, Jesus is coming soon. And I'm saying to you this morning that you and I are living in the kingdom of God. And I'll explain why you may be a little puzzled by that statement. But we are living in the kingdom of God, and what we do, we must do quickly. You see, I'm just being transparent with you today. When I left on sabbatical, I left not liking programs, and not liking people. So, Pastor Don, you've hurt my feelings. See, Jesus never said I had to like you. He said I have to love you. But here's why. Here was what was taking place. 
Because of where we are in light of history, and because of the closeness of the coming of Jesus, and because that we know that every day someone is dying, someone is in an accident, some crime is being committed, some violent act is being played out, what are we doing as a church to make a difference? And if all that I hear is, Pastor Don, help me this, help me that, help me the other, this, 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 this. If, if that becomes overbalanced, then there's part of me that gets tired of hearing that. And there's a part of me that says, I want to hear, you know, I was over here and talked to this person that came to Jesus. I was sitting with this person, laid hands on them, they were healed. I was over here praying and for years, but now this marriage is restored. Those are some things that I was wanting to hear, and I haven't been hearing that. And it just became weary and tired. And you know, when I came back from sabbatical, I look forward to coming back to ministry but I didn't look forward to coming back to people. Now figure that one out. How do you do ministry without people? And I'm not here to hurt your feelings. I'm being transparent with you. Because I think one of the things that happened in sabbatical was God helped me to reprioritize some things in my life. He helped me to see the relevance and the urgency of the day in which we live. And some of that has changed in some of the processing and, and some of the delegating and some things that's happened with, within ministry. But this is where we are. You see, God has always been a king. And there will always be a kingdom. Now, it will look different, and that's why the word kingdom is a metaphor. Because the kingdom of God with Adam and Eve looked different than the kingdom of God with Abraham. And it looked different than the kingdom of God with the nation of Israel. And it looked different than the kingdom of God in Jesus' day. And it looks different than the kingdom of God in the church today. But God has always been a king, and he's always had a kingdom. In Adam and Eve's day, See, there you say, well, that's only two people in the kingdom. See, Adam and Eve were the vice regents for God, and he had given them authority and power and to rule, but he was still the king. And it came over to Abraham, and God said to Abraham, I will make a great, many nations will come from you, and great kings will come from you, but God was still the king. The nation of Israel, God said, I will bless you and I will raise up great kings. And Israel was great for a while and then they decided to get away from God. And God said, but I'm still the king. And I'll show you how that means business. But from the current church age to the end of the age, that time when Jesus Christ will return in power and glory... And God will set up a kingdom where you and I, believers and followers of Jesus, will rule and reign together forever and ever and ever. Praise the Lord. But church, here's where we are right now. We live in a time of tension between the already 
and the not yet. You see, because of Christ's work upon Calvary, our sins have been forgiven. But yet we live and struggle in our humanness. Jesus on the cross of Calvary paid for the redemption of our life, but still we mess up. Already we have been promised, according to the Isaiah, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon us. And by his stripes, we are, we are, we are, not maybe, not if, not perhaps, or somewhere, but we are healed. And this is a dynamic that's difficult for people to understand because we still live in a world of infirmities and diseases and sicknesses, But I have to say to you this morning that even if there is a debilitating and a death-threatening disease in my body, I stand and say, I am healed because I know that one day that complete and perfect healing will come to pass. And I thank God for that. But you see, that's already and the not yet. Already the powers of evil and darkness have been defeated by Jesus' death and resurrection. Yet pick up the newspaper and turn on the television. Evil and darkness still exist in our world. The already, the not yet. Now, does it really make sense, church? Does it make sense that that over here, back in the years and years and thousands of years, there was a kingdom of God, and over here in the futuristic world, part, there's going to become a kingdom of God, but everything in between, there's no kingdom of God going on. Here's the thing. When we pray your kingdom come, we're not asking for the already or the not yet. We're asking for the now. Your kingdom come, your will be done today. Your kingdom come, your will be done, November the 25th, 2012, today, now, this very moment. There are three affirmations of your kingdom come and your will be done. They're in your handouts, and I'll just very quickly go through those with you today. When we say our Father which art in heaven, we could call that adoration. We're giving praise and adoration and worship to God. When we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that is an affirmation. And this is what that looks like. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are affirming our desire to follow Jesus' example. In fact, in Matthew 26, 39, Jesus gave us an example. He said, in the time that he was in the garden and he was praying, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. That was the example of Jesus. Now here's where you and I are faced with a challenge every day of our life. We will often experience a conflict between our human will and God's will. 
You see, you may be sitting here saying, you know, I'm ready to enter the kingdom of God today, but I'm going to enter it on my terms. Yeah, I would like to be a part of the kingdom of God, but, but I'm going to bring all my baggage with me into the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus wanted to be a part of the kingdom of God, but Jesus said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, unless you have made a repentance, unless you have made a change, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So there is a qualifying statement for you and I. Say, well, but Pastor Don, I have accepted Jesus and I have asked him into my heart and I, I just don't feel that I'm good enough to enter the kingdom. We're going we're gonna to touch on that in just a moment. The next thing that we, we face is this. Jesus' submission to God's will was not the end, but the beginning. And here is something that the enemy plays with in our minds. He will say to you, if you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, life as you know it will end. And that's partially true. Because the old man dies, and the selfish man dies, and all of this old stuff dies, and we do become a new creation. But what he's saying is, If you make a decision to enter into the kingdom of God, then you're not going to have any more fun. You're not going to have any more joy. You're not going to experience life. And we think, and the enemy puts into our mind, that if I enter the kingdom of God, life's going to be dull and boring and ho-hum. And that's a lie. You see, affirming our desire to follow Jesus' example, believe me, you follow Jesus' example in his ministry, and I will guarantee you, your life will not be dull, boring, or humdrum. You will have more excitement than you care to handle. You'll have more fun than you care to handle. I, I remember just the years that I've been here, and this has been a part of, again, it's my personality, but I remember... And I, I see Jeff Newber sitting down here. Jeff, I remember sitting there on occasions with a bowl of peanuts and some chips and some drinks. And Jeff and I just going head-to-head playing dominoes. And there'd be others around the table. But, but what a night that was, just laughing and joking and kidding. And, 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 and it just... It was so relaxing and so entertaining and so such a relief just to come together and play dominoes. And I still enjoy interacting and being a part. I still, on occasion, uh, John Hamilton and Joel Schreiber, these, these young guys, they get me out on this racquetball court. And they, they, they say, we understand, you know, you're older and we understand you're a little more fragile. And it just, it's, it's like when I get a point on them or I win a game, I just break out. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. I, I just, <laughs> whoo, I just start singing. You see, there's nothing that says when we enter the kingdom of God, life is going to be dull. But what it says when we pray this, 
it says, I'm affirming to follow Jesus' example. Secondly, it says that we are affirming our trust in God to answer our prayers. When Jesus was walking by the pool of Bethesda, and you know the story of the man that had been there for 38 years, and every time the waters were troubled, everybody jumped in ahead of him, and he couldn't make it. Jesus came up one day, and he says, do you want to be well? See, and that's a valid question. There are some people, and probably some people in this sanctuary, that doesn't want anything to change in their life. They're, they're just, they're, they're grumpy, and they're proud of it. They're miserable, and they're happy. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's difficult to understand, but there are some people in a life like that, they just, they just glad to be living in the land of gloom and doom. So Jesus asked a valid question, do you want to be well? Or my question to us today is this, do you want to change? Do you want to be different? Do you want to experience life in its fullness? And when the man said, yes, I want to be well, Jesus said, well, pick up your mat and take a hike. Pick up your mat and walk. Get out of here. Go. But then when he comes back later in the 14th and 15th verse, Jesus encounters this man again. He says, see, you are well again. Then he says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. See, we affirm our trust in God to answer our prayers. So when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, basically what you're saying is, God, I believe that you're going to answer every one of my prayers. Even though it may be yes, it may be no, or it may be not now. But God will answer every one of your prayers. However, God will only grant our request when they're in accordance with His will. And understanding the will of God is a whole other message, but it, it, it's, it's important in this. Number three, affirming our confidence for future plans. We look to the future now. We've talked about past kingdoms. We've talked about the present kingdom. We look into the future in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there was loud voices in heaven, which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. But here's the thing. We prepare for the future kingdom by living in the present kingdom. See, it, it, I'm, I'm, I don't mind telling you that it doesn't work this way in that I can just kind of twiddly-dee, twiddly-dum in this life, in this kingdom, but when the eternal kingdom comes, then I can expect God to put me in a place where I'm going to rule and I'm going to reign and on and on and on. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. You prepare for the, your future kingdom by living in the kingdom today, in the kingdom of God. You see, life is filled with a random sequence of events that appear to lack any overall plan or purpose. But God knows. God knows. And I can tell you this. 
in Palm Springs, California, at Southwest Community Church, Barbara and I saw the kingdom of God in action. In Seattle, Washington, at Bethany Assembly of God Church, we saw the kingdom of God in action. In Boston, Massachusetts, in a hotel ballroom with an Asian pastor and a 95% Asian young professional congregation, we saw the kingdom of God in action. And certainly the highlight of our sabbatical was when we got a call from a pastor from the church that Barbara and I had pastored 29 years ago. We entered that church as, that, as a pastor. That was only our second church. In that two years plus that we were there, God had given us a vision. We had went through a capital campaign. We had blueprints ready made up for the new facilities, the new sanctuary. However, we were still young and really not quite learned about the things of church and people. And we hit an opposition. We hit a wall. We hit a, we went, for, for lack of a better term, we hit a power struggle. And I won't go into all of the details, but we resigned that church. We on, went on to take another church and another church prior to us coming here. The three pastors that followed us in that church found the same opposition, the same power struggle, only it began to grow worse and worse and worse. Lies were told, accusations were made, threats were made, bodily harm was with threats of bodily harm were made. And these three pastors, because they had been there longer than we were, basically literally went through hell on earth in what was called the church. While we were on vacation in May, we got notified by the pastor who is there now. They had been through two years of sorting this junk out. They had went through a mediation process, a teaching and training process, and in that process, a third of the congregation left, which in their case was good. But the people that remained in that congregation said, you know, something's not right. Something's not settled in our spirit because we've had a history of this. Every pastor that's come to us, has had, we've, had, we've given him fits and problems and heartaches and sorrows for his family. Something's got to change. So they took out a full-page ad in the newspaper, and they apologized to their community, and they repented on behalf of their acts toward the leadership of their church. They then invited us four pastors back for a reconciliation weekend. We came back together on that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We had supper with the congregation of the church. And the minute we stepped in the door, the lady comes up and says, Pastor Fisher, Pastor Fisher, I have to apologize, and I'm asking your forgiveness. She said, when you left this church, I thought you was the problem. But she said, after the next two pastors, I'm going, it took you that long? After the next two pastors, I realized you weren't the problem. It was the leadership and it was the, the work of the enemy that had infiltrated. That was the problem, but we've got rid of that. And please forgive me. I apologize. So we met prior to that Friday service in the pastor's office. And 
it, it still has a very strong chord in my heart because are you listening to me? I'm talking about God knowing the future. 29 years ago, when we left that church, God knew that 29 years later, we were going to be back in that church. And we walk out of the pastor's office, and we walk in, the, in front of the, of the congregation, and we stand and get a hand clap, a standing ovation. It goes on and on and on and on and on, and the, the hairs just curl up on the back of your neck. And for me, it was a personal blessing because 29 years ago, I had the blueprints for what I felt that God had given me as a vision for that church. But because of this whole power struggle thing, it had never come to pass. And 29 years later, I'm able to walk in and see the sanctuary that God had given us plans for. And that night, we had a foot washing service. And the pastor of the church and his wife came up and washed the feet of the pastors and their wives. And I don't have to tell you the healing and the tears and the emotions that took place. You see, when we first contacted, we didn't know we was even going to be able to have a sabbatical. So we couldn't tell them we were going to be there or not. But the council graciously approved our sabbatical. A very precious family graciously extended their home and the facilities to us. This church that we had pastored 29 years ago, we came back and now was able to rejoice with that congregation and experience the freedom of ministry and the freedom of love. Why am I telling you that story? Because not only is it a part of our sabbatical, but I'm telling you that because we affirmed our confidence for the future. And we knew that if nothing happened this side of eternity, when we got to heaven, everything was still going to be all right. But God, from the beginning of sabbatical to the end, 60 days of sunshine, even in Seattle and Massachusetts and New Hampshire, every day was 60 days of sunshine and favor with everything that we have done. So as I close, here's the thing. To pray your kingdom come, your will be done, is to affirm our desire to follow Jesus, to trust God to answer our prayers, and to have confidence for God's future plan for our lives. Max Lucado said it this way, the power of prayer does not depend on the one who makes the prayers, but on the one who hears the prayers. Now, I leave you with this because this, is, this becomes personal now for each of us. When we enter the kingdom of God, we enter by grace and not by behavior. God extends by grace forgiveness, and we enter the kingdom of God. Our behavior changes along the way. Years ago, I remember a chorus, <clears throat> we used to sing, Jesus be the Lord of all, Jesus be the Lord of all, Jesus be the Lord of all, the kingdoms of my heart. Friends, you've been very patient this morning, and I appreciate that, but I have to leave you with this question. Are there kingdoms of your heart that are still being ruled and reigned? by selfishness, by greed, 
by finances, by lust? Are there still kingdoms of your heart that are being ruled and reigned by things other than the things of God? As we pray in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to make that your prayer today. To say, God, I don't understand all Pastor Don said, but I did pick up on this. We live between the already and the not yet. And God, I'm just going to take a leap of faith here, and I'm going to believe and trust you for my future plans. I'm going to trust that you're going to answer all of my prayers, and I want a renewed desire to follow Jesus. Then we can say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you are an almighty, all-knowing, all-loving God. Father, we thank you this morning that we have recognized and we have tried to communicate that we are living in the kingdom of God for now. And I pray this morning, Father, that you will simply plant into our heart that this relevance and this urgency that you are challenging with us this with us today. God, help us to move out of our refuge of reflection. God, forgive us for sitting and reflecting on the past and looking forward to the future and being of no value for the present. And Father, I pray today, I pray that the kingdoms of our heart, we turn them over to you. Selfishness, lust, greed, envy, jealousy, strife, turmoil, finance. Father, those kingdoms that we have controlled, that we have tried to take hold of, that we have tried to manage and to no avail, God, we turn them to you this morning. We surrender. Jesus, we surrender all the kingdoms of our heart. And Father, I pray today your blessing, your mercy, and your grace rest upon my friends today. And Father, I pray, you, you, you just impressed me right now, Father, to, to make this clear. Father, let no one leave this building with an assumption or misunderstanding that, that I do not love this congregation and this church. Father, make it very, very clear in the hearts and lives of these people that, that our love for them has grown and developed. And Father, I know that the enemy would, would take that and use that to bring dissension or division. And Father, we just, we, we command that be stopped in the name of Jesus. That Father, this congregation senses our love and our compassion for them. So Father, your blessing and mercy and grace rest upon us today. And in your name we pray. And the church said... Amen. God bless you and have a great day.